Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Red Circle, Spotify, also the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, and turn the notifications on. Also, make sure you're subscribed to Off the Floor. That's our new Discord. We're getting closer to 300 members, so we appreciate that. Check it out on the description here on the YouTube channel or on the podcast feeds, or it's also pinned to the top of the Five Reasons Sports Twitter account. This is where you get 24-7 chats on the heat and everything else. They literally go all night. Uh, in addition, to host updates and prize picks promos and more. So check it out. It's the new off the floor on Discord. Also check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. It includes our friends over at Better Edge. Use code 5RSN. Get your initial deposit. Well, no, you don't get a match. They're just giving you $20. That's what they're doing. They're giving you 20 bucks at Better Edge. Use the code 5RSN. This is legal sports betting in 44 states, including the state of Florida, because you're betting against others who use it. You're not betting against a bookie or the app itself. So check it out. Better Edge. Get $20 to play. Use the code 5RSN. Our contests on the NFL are just 10 bucks. NBA, 3 bucks. You do the math. And now, today's episode. Down to Biscay. Yay. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing. You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Bucket said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop in one hand. And Pat, we trust. It's power to have the guts. We here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick on Five Reasons Sports. we got Greg Sylvander. You can follow me at Greg Sylvander. And, wow, I remember him from his intern days. Our friend <laughs> over at Sports Illustrated. I'm date, dating myself and him. I remember us ending up at an ice cream place in D.C. We, with Joe yes, Goodman. D.C., is that me, right? Joe. Yeah, man, we got it. This is a true story. I was, like, a huge Joe Goodman fan. I, you know, I, I grew up on Ethan's as well. And I remember I promised uh, Goodman I'd buy his dinner. We went out to dinner in D.C. And I, I simply spent way more money than I could afford at the time. And Goodman was like, what are you doing? Like, I, I'm going to expense this. Just let me pay for it. And I insisted. And I, it was a huge mistake. Set me back weeks. Um, but I don't regret it because it brought me here today. So oh, that, that also set the mind. So Rohan Narcardi, everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We haven't even introduced it. Rohan Narcardi, who you can follow at Sports Illustrated or at that particular Twitter handle. But uh, yeah, that, that set the Herald back. You know, those <laughs> days you could expense. Right. You could expense I, anything. I, I mean, remember him hitting 25% on the tip in the taxi. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, right. The Herald's got it. Um, I just want to say, someone who listens to this podcast, I was very curious if the intro was a production trick, like someone just sped up Ethan mm-hmm. 1.25 times. No, he is speaking that <laughs> fast. Well done. <laughs> I, you, 
you know, the funny thing is, I don't even know what I'm saying in the intro anymore. <laughs> it is literally just in a brain loop with me at right. this stage. Like, and my daughter can can do it word for word. Like, she'll walk past me in the apartment and she'll be like, "Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor." And I'm like, "Just go get a snack, okay? I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear it." Um, Rohan, you're here uh, not to discuss uh, hanging out with Joe Goodman, although that was always fun during the Big Three era. Uh, but to discuss the Miami Heat, because for some reason, and I, I don't know if you've pushed this on your editors, you do a lot of coverage of the Miami Heat, which is actually odd because most national writers act like the Heat do not exist, typically. And you are one of the few who actually thinks that they're worth something. So you've done a piece on Jimmy Butler. I know you spent some time with Pat Riley. There are others. Uh, but before, let's do a little bit of the sausage uh, conversation here, you mm-hmm. know, behind the scenes stuff. Do, do, do you have to convince your editors? Like there's this like G League team in Miami <laughs> uh, that we need to we need to focus on. They don't have any big stars and they've never won anything, you know, unlike unlike the Knicks, who we provide so much <laughs> coverage to. But uh, can I please go write a story about one? Well, first of all, let me just say that, um, you know, I definitely love doing heat stories. I mean, it's no secret. I grew up. Uh, down here in Broward County, you know, I mentioned growing up, you know, I remember when Ethan was doing the season ticket blog back in the day, um, you know, the trademark that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, but I always took, uh, you know, I always had admiration for the journalists. So I thought, uh, you know, tried really hard to represent this community and I'm a fortunate position to be in at sports illustrated where they let me do these heat stories. I try to keep it, to one or two a year. Obviously I got, we got very fortunate last year. They made the finals trip and I got to be down here for that. Um, a dream come true on so many levels, but you know, I'm fortunate that SI just loves good stories, man. And it's funny. I have a, you know, I have some colleagues who are Sixers fans and stuff. They're always like, Oh man, you're doing another Jimmy Butler story. And I'm like, it's not my fault. The guy keeps succeeding. You know, it's not my fault. Uh, he keeps defying the odds and bringing the heat to the finals. So, I, I understand that people down here want more national coverage of this team and what they're doing. And it's funny because I know people are always on Twitter making fun of me for being a Celtics fan, but I'm trying my best to bring, you know, a national perspective and objective perspective to the heat at the same time. Like I'm, I'm so appreciative of the support you guys have always shown me all the people down here. Anytime I write a heat story, um, you guys always go above and beyond in supporting it. So I, I really appreciate that. And, what a humble. Uh, what a humble yeah, brag a- when he snuck <laughs> in the Sports Illustrated likes good stories. <laughs> right, exactly. So I'm saying the heater a good story. I'm not saying I write I'm not saying mine are good. I'm saying the heater sure. happened to have been a good one the last few years. No, no, that that we know what you were saying. It's okay. I mean there, there's there's a few out there, you know, Sedano still fights the good mm-hmm. fight from time to time, but he's been co-opted by by Los Angeles these days. Israel tries, um, and and that and then you know, Levy's too big time at this point. I mean he's on HBO Max, okay? So I, I, I don't even know that we can count him. But I, I wanna start with uh with the Jimmy stuff with you and then let Greg jump in here. Um this is what's interesting to me about you finding him interesting, but it seems like others don't, and I don't get that. To me, he's like the most interesting man in the sport. Like he is – I mean he's a contrarian in all ways. You tell Jimmy troll, one thing, yep. the opposite, and then he'll change it the next day or the next minute. Total troll. But he's like – he's unabashedly himself, and that's a rare quality these days. Um, 
I mean, the man likes country music and brags about it. I mean, that's that, that's really out on the limb. I, but I'm just curious from your interaction with him inside, because you guys basically gave him the magazine, uh, which is risky. Uh, <laughs> what did you take away before we get into the basketball part of this, which uh, Greg and I will jump in on? Like, what did you just take away from your interaction with him? You know, I, I was so privileged to get to spend uh, uh, any time with Jimmy this summer. You know, we obviously we had the photo shoot. We had the interview. I got to follow him around that summer camp uh, he was doing. And I say privileged because I know Heat fans love Jimmy. And I just got to say, man, he lives up to the hype. He's so funny. He's always on. You know, he's hilarious during the photo shoot, going back and forth with our photographer, Jeffrey Salter. You know, he, he put me on the spot when we were doing the interview. And you know, I was following him around this camp. And I think we were at St. Thomas in Fort Lauderdale. We we're sitting in this classroom and they're like, Jimmy, you got, you know, 30 minutes until your next uh, thing that we need you for. He looks at me. He's like, you ready to go for your interview, man? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, I'm putting you on the spot. You know, I hope you're prepared. And I was like, Jimmy, I was born ready for this. Uh, you know, he likes to challenge people like that. Um, and it's a lot of fun. You know, I got to watch him work out for two hours. That was just such a cool experience. You know, it's just him, his cousin, Remy from the Heat. And, you know, this is like it was 105 degrees out. He's been at this camp all day. And he just he is dripping in sweat for two hours just working through drills. And, um, you know, what you see is what you get with Jimmy. And even though he likes to troll, even though he likes to be a contrarian, like he's not playing it up for the cameras. He's not playing it up when he's making his skyhook jokes on the court. That's who he is. And that's really cool. I, you know, this idea came from you mentioned we made him the guest editor of the magazine. Coming out of the bubble, we did a story with Jimmy, and it was just it was just going to be like a profile of this guy. You know, he'd come out of the finals at such an epic experience, changed the narrative about who he was. And then over the course of that story is when, you know, we I did it. Spo gave me a quote where he was like, you know, I met Jimmy in Italy and, uh, you know, he was talking about all these wineries he's been to. And I'd been promising my wife I'd take her there for years. And he's like, I could see the steam coming out of her ears because she she's realizing that Jimmy's done all these things that I've been saying I'm going to take her to do. And that's when, you know, the seed was first planted that about just what he's like off the court. And, you know, if, again, I, I know it's a, an old issue now, but if people pick up the magazine, we have a story in there about him telling us his favorite coffee shops, a story about his friendship with Carlos Alcaraz. There's a couple of funny stories that have not made their way online. One was him saying, I asked him, I was like, he won that little drop folly shot against Carlos Alcaraz. I asked him, I was like, have you beaten him? As that, this is the first time you want to point against him. And Jimmy's like, I've beaten him before. You know, at this point, it's a he said, she said. <laughs> How can you, you know, he, he might say it's different. I'll say I've beaten him. Um, he left us uh, a voicemail. You know, we asked him to get tell us his favorite coffee shops on the road. Can I can I say a bad word on here? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so so he left obligated. He left us a voicemail, you know, listing his favorite coffee shops. And he explained why. Um, they're his favorite coffee shops, and at the end of it, he just says, uh, "Cheers to me. See you later, fuckers." And um, that, that was just his vibe the entire time, mind. So he's uh, he just lives up to the hype uh, in every aspect, and uh, there's no there's nothing fake about him, which is fun to write about. And uh, Jimmy freaking Butler, as Pat <laughs> Riley put it in your piece, um, that's a really funny story. I'm pivoting to Pat. I'm interested. Um, because as I read the Jimmy story about a month ago or whatever it was, there was a Pat quote there. And I'm like, wait a minute, Pat didn't say that in his media session. So I hit right. you up. 
and it appeared as if you spent some time with Pat, and that's obviously a, a unique position because the media does not get close to Pat often. Uh, as we pivot for a moment, and I, I thought there was that great quote about Jimmy thinking the same way that Pat does. What was your interactions with him like? Uh, and just overall, what was the the? I'm also interested in like just a temperature check of all those guys that you were around. It, it seemed like a stressful time for the fan base, and I'm just interested on that side of it if you could uh, see any of that. If that any of that was palpable on their end. So with Jimmy, zero percent. Completely zero, completely laid back, completely chill. Um, Pat, so this was like we were in a rush to get this story done. Like I couldn't get spoke because he was still in the Philippines and East Asia. This was, you know, uh, early September, so a couple weeks before the Lillard trade. And, uh, you know, I got to speak to Pat on the phone, and Pat Riley was incredible. And I think he would have talked forever. I literally ran out of questions. Um, you know, I've mentioned this. Pat was telling me stories. You know, he's like, uh, Jimmy reminds me of when Michael Thompson came into my office in 87 after we traded for him. Like he is, he's digging deep into the well of references. And, you know, as a basketball nerd, it's just, it's humbling. It's incredible to hear Pat Riley tell those stories, but even Pat was really laid back and, you know, the nature of the timing to really get into like the sausage making of the story. You know, I asked Pat about upgrading the roster it was very understood what we were talking about. I wasn't going to put him in a situation where I said, let's talk about Damian Lillard. Um, and we kind of had to hedge. Uh, how are we going to handle this? So a couple quotes didn't make the story, but I, I thought it was very interesting hearing ta Pat talk about that. But, you know, I asked him straight up, do you feel pressure to acquire someone for Jimmy? And he was like, I don't know that I personally feel pressure. He's like, obviously you want to upgrade the team. He's like, I don't think anyone is more deserving than Jimmy Butler with the effort and the work he puts in. You know, I think he alluded to, frankly, the second apron as he's like, you know, you have to be very careful when you take these swings now with the way the second apron set up. Um, he's like, if you if you take a swing, you've got to hit. You've got to hit. He repeated himself just like that, which I thought was really interesting. So the temperature check was there was no, um, you know, I even spoke to Kyle Lowry and, you know, Ethan knows this. Kyle's not someone who is like, necessarily always chatty with the media um kyle also told a funny story i asked him about the uh shot that jimmy hit against milwaukee um the step back three the second step back he took that was actually a long two and kyle was like yeah you know i actually set the screen to set him free on that play i don't know if you want to mention that in your story so uh, people were in a good mood man and i think it shows the respect the organization has for jimmy everyone was was more than excited to to talk about him all things on that. First thing, I mean, you're right about Kyle. I think one of our frustrations down here in the media is that he's not been um, more. I, 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 I would accommodating is the wrong word, but just he, he hasn't wanted to do any of he's, it. He's, like he hasn't. Yeah. He, he hasn't wanted to really engage with the Miami media at all, which mm -hmm. has been a bit of a surprise and a disappointment because. He did. It took time, but he built a lot of relationships in Toronto, mm -hmm. and it's just it, it's it's a little similar to kind of what I heard about Dwayne when he went to Chicago, that he just never really felt comfortable. It wasn't home, um, and then obviously he went to. We don't talk about the Cleveland thing, but he, <laughs> he went he went to Chicago, and and it's like people up there would be like, "Is Dwayne always like this? He's a little surly." He's, I'm like, not shocking. You know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I loves, 
I had ups and downs, but I mean, you know, not that wasn't my experience since 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think some of that with Kyle here down here, but also you mentioned Pat, like he has not done a lot of these things. I mean, I, I so I give you credit for getting him. Um, Wright Thompson, I know, uh, spent a lot of time with him in the 16, seven, not, yeah, the 16, 17 season, the, mm-hmm. the 30 and 11 uh, finish where they missed on the last day. Um, and I got to spend some time with him after LeBron left in 2014. And it's just, Interesting, because when I reflect back to that interview, um, I was given all these restrictions about things not to get into with him. You know, we're not going to talk LeBron. And literally, I asked him one innocuous question at the beginning. He goes he into it, right? <laughs> yeah. <about LeBron>. So <laughs> I'm, I'm looking the whole time at you know, and Tim Donovan. You, you we all you know we all know well who's been with with Pat since he came down from New York and uh, vice president of media relations and and everything else. And I looked at him like, is this okay? And he just put up his hands because it's just, <laughs> go, he's going to go. It's up to him. He's the boss, right? So, uh, again, I give you credit for that. But I, I think when we touch on this, it is important the context that you're getting into here about the pressure that he feels for Jimmy because this is a big fan narrative right now. And, you know, the narrative has been that to a certain degree that the organization, and this is, again, this is sort of the the, the loud minority on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Not the majority of Heat fans. The loud minority is that the organization has somehow failed to get Jimmy, that they fit uh, to be over the top, that they failed Jimmy. He's done everything that he can. And there's no room for nuance in that conversation or the things that they have tried to do that simply you had a counterparty this summer in mm-hmm. Portland who was not right. going to deal with them and that they were not going to go all in anyway for a point guard who, again, who was, they've done this before, who was up in age, had the big contract, didn't play a lot of defense. And so they weren't going to throw the whole kitchen sink there. There's not a lot of nuance for that, for the Beal conversation, all that. It's just the organization has failed Jimmy. That's that's the perception. And then you're talking to Kyle Lowry, who literally, they went and got. Yeah. Because Jimmy wanted him. <laughs> and, and they gave him the third year because Jimmy wanted him. It's, so I just think it's a it's it's one of those narratives. Like there does need to be a little bit of nuance there. For sure. It's also funny to me that people, you know, I've argued with friends of mine in the business who maybe are fans of certain teams, like, oh man, the heat, you know, they lost that Lowry trade. Ha ha ha. And it's like, let's see, they were the one seed with Kyle Lowry, then they made the finals with Kyle Lowry, and he was kind of a pretty big part of both of those happening. Like people already forget November, December, the first year Kyle Lowry was here, what he did to keep that team afloat when Bam was hurt, Jimmy was hurt, guys were in and out of the lineup, how big of a role Kyle played there. Um, What he did last year during the playoffs, uh, even if it was in a smaller role than people expected, he was fantastic for large stretches of the playoffs. So I'm with you. And, you know, I've gone back and forth because people love to just attach the heat to this huge list of names. Yeah. The heat like looked into trading Kevin Durant. If you ask the heat, they'd know they didn't have a really realistic chance of acquiring him. They knew they didn't really want to get Bradley Beal and deal with that no trade clause. They knew they were behind the eight ball and some of these superstars, they do their due diligence like every franchise should do. But when they, when they miss out on these people, it's an indictment of the team instead of people realizing like they know they're behind the eight ball on some of these people and it's kind of a miracle that they're even in the game, and that has to do with the respect players have for the organization. So, you know, I wrote in the summer, like, I do think the Heat need to make a move to help Jimmy. And I, there's there's clear basketball reasons for it. At the end of the day, I think that they need another shot creator if we're, if we're thinking way down the road in, in the playoff run, et cetera. Like, yeah, he needs help. 
I, and I also told Jimmy, I'm sworn to secrecy on his reaction. I told Jimmy, I was like, listen, man, I think that you, you pulled this franchise out of a tough spot in 2019. You know, people talk about what heat culture and, and the marriage it's had with you. Like, listen, we all remember those days. Um, those years. Ron, are you saying, the Hassan are you saying Whiteside Hassan years. Whiteside? Just say it. Are you saying that Hassan Whiteside was not heat culture? Is that, is that what we're saying? I maybe I will say I, I'm a fan of Dion Waiters, as you guys know. I hope Dion makes it back still to this day. This team could use Dion Waiters. Um, get to the rim. Uh, but I told Jimmy that. So I do think there is. I, I'm not. I agree. I think the narrative that Pat's failed him. They went out and got Lowry. That didn't go as expected. Um, but you know they, their hands have been tied a little bit. Um, on some of these moves that people want them to make. So. I, I do think the front office needs to do more, but I, I'm not looking at it as like Pat's failed or why hasn't he made a trade? It's like when you look at each situation on a case-by-case basis, it makes sense why we're, where we are today. And, and they're still in a position now where yeah. they are, as we speak, nine and five, uh, nine and five, third or fourth in the East. They have an emerging rookie. Um, who plays just like Jimmy Butler <laughs> and is going to continue to get better as the season goes on. And, um, and, and they have Tyler hero coming back for, you know, which I believe is a good thing, regardless of what he fans say. And it just requires staggering and other things so that he and Jimmy are not in each other's way so much and they can both be effective, but they're not poorly positioned. They haven't given mm-hmm. up significant assets. In fact, their asset accumulation actually goes up over time. And Greg and I believe, and then we'll pivot to more of the Jimmy and, and, and Pat stuff, that you know the Lowry contract could be a potential asset for them if they want to use it prior to the deadline to give Jimmy a better chance. And we'll see if they do, and we'll see you know what, what the factors are that come into play there. But I, my overall thought is that the knee-jerk stuff with this organization, like I, you, you now, now all of a sudden I'm seeing all the stuff on Twitter about you know, Hawkes is the second coming, which again, he's been fantastic and the organization loves him and thinks he can be a star. But the majority of those Heat fans were like, oh, throw him in for Dame. It doesn't matter. Throw this well, in, throw you that guys, in. You guys did do yes. one of your, your patented. I, I have to give you credit, Ethan, because you have pioneered this new style of tweeting about the Heat where you have a sentence yes. and then there's a paragraph break and then it's like the most dramatic thing I've ever read in my life. Yeah, no, I, 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 oh, you got, you're on to my game. Yeah. There's also the persecution <laughs> complex, which has yeah. worked very well for us. Yes, which Florida. I listen, I respect it. I, I, I enjoy it. Um, I do think people need to slow their roll on Hawkes, even the, even the organization. I think he's a very solid player. Um, I, I do think they're well positioned, and the Lowry thing is interesting to me now because I, I have worked Kyle Lowry into the trade machine, surely his contract, but I. The stats may not show it, but he's kind of been really good this season, like really important. Well, we're and gonna, I'd love gonna, to argue with you, but uh, Giancarlo Navas of Miami that. Heat, he um, sent something <laughs> out recently, and I'm actually going to go right to it here uh, and give Kyle Lowry his credit for everyone. So far with Kyle Lowry on, the Heat have a 5.57 net rating, and with off, a negative 4.47 my so minus 4.47 so you're seeing that all the metrics drop when kyle's off the floor mm-hmm. i i have some some ways to poke holes in that but i'm not going to all i'm doing <laughs> is supporting the kyle lowry data at this moment well the the, the best two-man lineup right now is is lowry and highsmith actually most <laughs> heat fans would not guess that small sample size but yeah. 
that is their best two-man combination. I saw the tweet about, of course, Giancarlo was the guy going to be the guy to push that out. I saw the tweet about the Larry on off numbers, and I'll say that's legitimate. Again, small sample size. Uh, I think some of that has to do with the fact that they don't have another point guard. Yes. Uh, that that would, you know, so I, I think that plays into it. And then Josh also kind of working his way in there. But I mean, look, if they're going to win a championship, they need, uh, if you look at the overall guard rankings in terms of where he is, you know, shots taken, points, et cetera. I mean, he's, if he's not bottom, he's, he's, he's way down in the bottom third. And, and they are going to need to get uh, more rim pressure from that position. They're going to need to get more general aggression from that position. And one, the one thing I don't understand with him, and I don't want to pivot too much into a Lowry talk here, but is why he doesn't shoot more because that's the one thing he still does at a reasonably high level. And it just seems like he's, he's passing up open shots all the time. I, I also, I haven't looked at the data. This could be me completely talking to my, out of my ass here, but he at least seems more comfortable coming off the pick and shooting the pull up than he does on catch and shoot threes. Like I think he's still not quite used to being a catch and shoot player. And he does seem to like that Atlanta game. It was like, he was like, okay, I'll be aggressive. And it seemed like he still had it. It seemed like, you know, he could get to his spot. So still. Do it. Yeah. So, it's so, surprising so, that he's not do doing it. it. Yeah. All right. When, when we come back, we're going to get into some more bigger picture themes uh, with Rohan. And also we'll go around the NBA a little bit with some rapid fire. Before we do want to mention another great sponsor, the five reasons sports network, our friends over at water cleanup of Florida. You can find them at WCUFL.com. That's WCUFL.com. Our guys, Michael, Robert, their whole team. You can find them in Boca Raton. They service the entire Tri-County area. We know about the flooding that was just happening here in Broward County. I live in downtown Fort Lauderdale. You don't need to tell me about it. If I owned this place still, I'd probably be calling Water Cleanup to fix it up. So Water Cleanup of Florida, again, your one-stop water and mold cleanup shop, Water Cleanup of Florida. You can find them at WCUFL.com or give them a call at 561-408. Seven eight three five. If you got the schmutz, they got the guts. <laughs> Sorry, I almost missed that. Hey, it's Ethan Skolnick for Five on the Floor in the Five Reasons Sports Network. As you know, we heard from Pat Riley recently. Everybody has an opinion on trades, free agency, who they should keep, who they should give up, who they should get. Well, whatever it is that Riley and the Heat do, you don't want them giving up too much and getting too little, right? Well, the same is true of shaving products, and that's why I use Harry's shaving products. I love the way it handles. I love the way it looks. And I love the quality of the shave. I have a little bit of trouble growing out a good beard. So better to just shave it off and make sure that it looks somewhat professional. These are German engineered blades made in their own factory. So they stay sharp longer means you can use them longer. And also they've got customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as two bucks, half of what you pay for other big brands. Also, I would recommend the shaving lotion as well, and the body wash. So check it out. You can go to harrys.com backslash five. That's harrys.com backslash five. You'll get a $13 trial set for just three bucks. Again, don't pay too much and get too little. Same is true of shaving as NBA transactions. harrys.com backslash five for your $3 trial set. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
All right, Ron, let, let, let's get to a bigger uh, bigger picture conversation here about the Heat. We're kind of trending uh, in this way anyway. Do you sense, from being around Jimmy a little bit and obviously spending some time around Pat, we have sort of signaled that there needs to be a bit of a transition with the team this year, that we, we know Jimmy's going to try to be there at the end, but that it has to, if they're going to get to the end again this time, that Tyler and Bam need to elevate and we've seen it from both of them actually separately before Tyler, you know, before Tyler got hurt. And then Bams has been more pronounced since Tyler has been out to the point that now if Bam is 24, 12 and six, we're like, whatever. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's night, it's after, not, yeah. night after night, which is the sign of a borderline superstar player when yeah. you're putting up those numbers and everybody's like, okay, well, and that doesn't even account for all the little things that he does, which is more than the majority of the top mm-hmm. 25 players in the league mm-hmm. do on a consistent basis. So you're getting the box score stuff and the non-box score stuff. Do you think that Jimmy would be is good with the idea of this becoming more Tyler and Bam's team? As long as, again, they get Jimmy to the finish line where he can try to close this thing, and he's not he's not limping at the finish, whether it's Josh Hart or just fatigue like it was in last postseason. That's a great question. You know, and it's interesting because I – one of the things I asked him, and again, this didn't make the story, so I'm glad you asked this question, was why do you think you've had so much success here? Like, you were a great player in your own right before you got to Miami, but you weren't bringing teams to the finals. What's worked here? And he said something that was interesting. He said, what I love about Miami is there's a hierarchy. I'm paraphrasing. He's like, there's a hierarchy. Everyone knows their roles. And he's like, you can guess what the role is, but everyone here knows their roles. Um, and I thought that was just an interesting way of framing it. And I think something that Jimmy maybe doesn't get enough credit for, and it can be frustrating at times when you watch him during the regular season when he drives all the way to the rim and passes it. Or, um, you know, he defers at times where you're like, why aren't you deferring? We know what you're capable of. I think he's, like, acutely aware of building confidence in guys, um, acutely aware of, you know, he doesn't need to expend all his energy during the regular season. I know people think he's trolling when he does that, but. I think he's been very smart about managing his body. And I think that's also been a years long thing for him. Like Ethan, I'm sure you remember this, like, you know, back his first, second year here, when people are like, um, you know, do you want to be an all-star blah, blah. He's like, I think Bam's the best guy on our team. Like he said that before. Um, So I definitely think that Jimmy recognizes the importance of him not kind of being the only guy. I think deep down, everyone knows when it's, when it's gut check time, it's going to be Jimmy's team. The ball is going to be in his hands. He's the decision maker. But I do think he is keenly aware of the importance of a guy like Bam. I think Jimmy wants Bam to be more aggressive. You know, I, I think this is what he wants. I think he wants Tyler to be more aggressive. He's always been kind of supportive of these guys doing the thing as long as it works within the confines of them winning. So, um, I'm sorry, I know that's a little bit of a roundabout answer, but I, I think that he he also is aware of the importance of guys like Bam and Tyler doing what they've done so far this year. Well, yeah, and then we see him go, go visit Jovich. And obviously we've seen him talk about high Smith and then he got Max Struess's money and he even seems to like Duncan now, which, uh, <laughs> which is a change. And I think that's, it's been empowering for Duncan. Uh, Greg, go ahead. Uh, I was actually um, heading in this direction as I'm thinking about what, who we have on the show in Ethan and Rohan. Um, y'all are probably the two heads that were, um, as close as anybody 
to Dwayne throughout his career in, in, in different moments. And when I say close, like not best friends close, but you know, media relations close. And now you're getting to both experience Jimmy Butler. So I'm asking both of you who, who have been in this position, Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler, similarities, contrast, compare. <laughs> I'm interested to just hear from both of you. Rohan first though. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, um, the difference is definitely like, I think, um, again, to go back to something Pat said, you know, we were talking about the tennis stuff for a little bit. I was like, would you make a Jimmy being at the U S open? And he's like, he's like, Jimmy is unique and he's forging his own path for how athletes can behave off the court. Right. And he's like, it's different what I'm used to, but he's like, Jimmy's going to make it easier for the next guy to kind of have all these off court interests. I think Dwayne obviously had that in his career and Dwayne was kind of a celebrity in his own right. But, you know, I don't know if it's like the way we consume social media now or just kind of the shift in athletes over the years. But I think, you know, Jimmy is, I think, afforded the opportunity to be, to be more comfortable as not just a basketball player, right? Like he told me, he's like, the basketball player doesn't define me. That's not who I am. And I think Dwayne, you know, he played on such a high pressure team in this fishbowl for so long that, you know, he would have gotten crucified at that time if he tried to be anything other than the best basketball player possible. And I'm not saying that Jimmy's not doing that. Obviously I've seen him physically with my own eyes now put in the work, but I think that's kind of an interesting, like, it's not necessarily a difference, but an evolution that, you know, Jimmy's kind of that next wave of people who kind of get to be more of who they are off the court. Um, I think the similarities is definitely like, people really take for granted what guys like Jimmy and Dwayne know about the sport intellectually. I got to interview Dwayne about games three of the 2006 finals this summer. He could remember the exact second, yeah. a bank shot. He went, that went in, in the fourth quarter, like people, people never, never said Dwayne Wade is a photograph. Like, you know, Jimmy, like when I was Bron, asking what the Celtics Bron, Bron, we've always, Bron, we've yeah. always said that. Like, Bron, yeah. Bron can remember a, a Tuesday night game in Detroit right. yeah. from eight years ago, yeah. uh, and he would just recite it. Dwayne, we mm -hmm. don't think of him that way, but I always thought that Dwayne's basketball IQ was underrated in yes. that way. Um, you know, what, what, I, what I've always said was that those big three Heat teams were the smartest teams that I've ever covered by far, just intellectually, when you had James Jones, Chris mm -hmm. Bosh, Shane Battier, sharing finance books with each other <laughs> and philosophy books with each other before the game. But there was also the high basketball IQ of guys who maybe were not at that intellectual level off the court in LeBron and Dwayne, but were on the court uh, in, in a different way. I mean, but again, when you had a team with Ray Allen, Chris mm -hmm. Bosh, James Jones and Shea Battier, I mean, that's for like the four horsemen of like brilliance mm -hmm. in terms of a basketball uh, people. And it's one of the reasons those teams were able to overcome everything they mm -hmm. overcame because they had an emotional and intellectual maturity to them. And I don't think that ever got enough credit. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to jump in on one thing though, about Dwayne and Jimmy, because again, I, I, I was much closer with Dwayne than I am with Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Jimmy doesn't, give the local media the time that Dwayne did. Um, and I was there with Dwayne from his first summer league game. So it's just a different experience. I saw Dwayne grow up from the point where he had nothing to say. I remember, I always tell this in the all-star game in Denver in 2005, Chris Perkins and I were in front of Dwayne for like 20 minutes because everybody was with Bron because it was their first all-star <laughs> game. He used to be able to be in the, in the pregame locker room at all-star. I remember coming out with Perkins and say, 
I don't really have anything to talk to Dwayne about. Like he was just, he was a kid, you know, and then all of a sudden Dwayne has a million interests. He's an ambassador for all these causes. We literally saw him grow up. Okay. And we mm-hmm. saw the influences on him, whether it was Shaq or Braun or Pat or Spo and how he drew from all these different people. And then Gabby, etc. I think the core difference between the two of them is from off the court is Jimmy doesn't give a fuck what anybody thinks. Dwayne does. Dwayne, Dwayne does. I, I think Dwayne was much more concerned about image cultivation. And I think some of that was from Shaq uh, and others who were around him. But I, Dwayne would sometimes operate in a way where I, I thought, and I, maybe not now, because again, he's passive, but I think at the time, where okay, how is this going to be perceived? Mm-hmm. Jimmy does not care yeah. how it's going to be perceived. I think that's a key difference between mm-hmm. the two. Of them. And I, I also think that that's part of the part of the reason of reason of that is just the era they played in is, I think it's a little bit easier to be that way as an athlete now um, than it was in Dwayne's time. One thing I just want to add about Chris Bosh while we're talking about that the team. Speaking of my intern days, when I, the Herald asked me to write a, a quick freelance story in Chicago, um, I remember I saw Ethan at that game. It was the Heat Bulls. It was the last year of the Big Three. And I asked Bosch before the game, just in the pregame scrum, I was like, you know, you guys have been going back and forth for years. Can you just explain to someone who has no idea what it's like to play in a game like this, what the rivalry is like when these two teams step on the floor? And he gave me like one of the best answers anyone's ever given me to a question before. And this was just a pregame scrum. And Bosch is like, it's knowing that you can try as hard as you possibly can. And sometimes that's still not enough. And I was like, that is so profound. Um, I was like, you know, I was an intern. I was still in college. I was blown away. Like those guys got it um, in a way that was very cool. Chris is top five all time. Oh, in legend. terms of that. Stuff. Legend. Chris, yeah. Chris is, uh, is not just intellectual, but he's an introspective Thoughtful. intellectual. Thoughtful. Um, and, and, yeah, it is just like Chris would stay in front of his locker. He would wait for all of us after the game. I, I would always joke I would come out of the locker room smelling like Chris Bosch because he would he would spray his cologne in front <laughs> of him while we were all talking because he would anybody who came over he would talk to he'd spend five minutes ten minutes and we he would we would just. He would just be wafting in his cologne. That's basically because <laughs> he would just be spraying it all over the place. But he would be staying there until the very end. But Chris is—he's uh, all time. He just—he mm-hmm. is—and—and um, and took things so personally, especially when he was scapegoated for a lot of things during the Big Three era, which now people forget about. This is everybody loves Chris, but uh, they, things were ugly for a while, and he had to deal with a, a lot of criticism for not being who he was supposed to be when he was trying to be what they needed him to be. Because he processed what it was that they required to get over the hump. And it was not Toronto Bosch. It was this new version. I always remember Chris saying to me, I was talking to him about defense and everything. He's like, I sucked as a defender in Toronto. I was terrible. He's like, when I got here, I couldn't defend at all. And it's just the, the level of self-awareness that, that he had. I'll also, like he heard it from other players. And I'll never forget, Lee Jenkins did a profile of Chris Bosch after the first time. Chris came back from the blood clot and you know, you guys will remember this. Kevin Durant called Chris Bosch a fake tough guy. Yeah. And um, I asked, I got to ask Chris about that once um, for an SI thing. And again, he gave a very thoughtful answer about it. He's like, I just don't know where that came from. Like we had a small back and forth on the court once, whatever. And I'll never forget Lee writing in his profile. Like, you know, he, he mentioned earlier in the story about how Durant had called him a fake tough guy. And he was like, 
you know, the same guy who was called fake tough, like played a game with a, a blood clot, you know, did not even mm-hmm. realizing it. Like um, he's a, he was a special person and a special player. And to Ethan's point, like put up with so much um, during those years that I think a lot of people could have easily mentally folded and, and mentally have folded. And he did not. Yeah, I mean, even the pressure internally from LeBron, uh, you know, specifically. I mean, his relationship with with Dwayne really blossomed, honestly. Yeah. After, yeah. After after LeBron left, um, and I that, that you know, I, I want to get your, I want to get your opinion on something, Ethan. I've never asked anyone about this. I mm-hmm. asked, uh, you know, Dwayne during his last year. We did like a round of true or false questions, and I said, true or false, Pat would have traded Chris Bosh if you guys lost to the Spurs in 2013, and True. he goes. So Dwayne goes, oh, he was thinking about it. He's like, he's like, I'm going to go false. He's like, the three of us together is what made us special. But that's like, you know, rose-colored glasses, 2019, looking back on it. And I was like, I don't know about you that know, one. Ron, you, know what? You, you know what Heat fans would say about that? They'd say, Pat doesn't make trades. So he, yeah, he wouldn't make exactly. a trade. That's what they would say. But, right. but I, I don't actually think it was after the 2013 finals. It was If they'd lost to Boston mm. in, in 2012 – and uh, I'm, Alice is going to get upset because he's got to edit this podcast. So we got to close it up soon. <laughs> I, I can he- I can hear him in my ear, even though he's not here. Um, but when we were in Boston before game six in 2012, and we were all at shoot around waiting around and we were debating what would happen first. Okay. Bosch traded or Spolster fired. Because it was going to be one or both if, if they lost that. And look, Eric's been very honest about this, that, he believes he could have been fired three times if he was in another organization. He said this flat out. Um, you know, once was when they got LeBron the first, you know, initially, and Spo wasn't experienced enough to coach him. The second was nine and eight in Dallas the first year, where Dwayne was the one who held that meeting or called that meeting together in the locker room and gave everybody a chance to speak. And then LeBron's people leaked to ESPN about what was going on in the practices and all that in an attempt to get uh, you know, Eric fired. And then the 20, 2011 finals uh, where Eric believes if he was with another organization, he might've been fired at that point. How okay? did we, Although the only how mistake did we, I thought he made was playing Bibby over Chalmers, but that's a whole nother story. How did we ever recover from nine and eight? That felt like the end of the world. When it really that did. was nine and eight. How did well, we ever, you, ever recover? You, from you mentioned that? Goodman. You, you mentioned Goodman. I was, Goodman, Goodman and Wallace and I were actually the ones in Dallas, I think. And the funny thing was Mike, who now Mike Wallace, who now uh, covers, he's now with the Memphis Grizzlies. But um, <laughs> that was Bumpgate night, right? Yeah. And we yeah. all saw it. We all, I mean, we all saw it. We were because we had we had the courtside seats in Dallas. They give us the good seats, unlike in Miami. So we had the courtside seats in Dallas, and we 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 literally saw this. And and then after the game, like we got Spo first. So Wallace asks him about it. Mike was never afraid to ask questions. And Spo acted like he didn't know what happened, which actually, because Spo gets so intense in those situations, you don't know whether he's telling the truth or not, honestly. And then we waited for 45 minutes. Goodman and I waited outside the locker room for the players, blew our deadlines, okay? You know, nobody got anything in, all the rest of this stuff. I was in the Poppy Post. He was the Herald at the time. Uh, And it was all because Dwayne was basically going around the room and saying, what do you need to do better? Like Dwayne, Dwayne called this meeting. Like we got to get on the same page. But then by the time we even got back to Miami, like the ESPN report was up with, with all the stuff that was going on between LeBron and Spo behind the scenes. And that is where Pat stepped in for Spo. And it is also, in my view, Spo's finest moment 
during the big three era because he had a shoot around and he basically said, I'm coaching this team. Okay. Like this is, and, and, but that only happens and we'll close here with Pat, because I think this transitions back to Pat that only happens because he had the support of the people mm-hmm. above him, particularly Pat, but the Arisons, et cetera. In another organization, there is no way Eric Spolcher survives that and survives to this point where now he's considered, you know, the best coach in the NBA, or, you know, top three. And I don't think he's two or three. Yeah. It doesn't happen in another mm-hmm. organization. And so when people talk about the heat culture thing, I don't think of it necessarily the same way Greg does. I think of it as it's the stability to stay the course. It, it, it's the, it's, it's the, it, and, and essentially when you need to. Um, and, and that, I think, I think fans should value that mm-hmm. more than just, we need to make a move, which they yeah. do need to make a move, I believe at some point here. And I've said that, but there is, there's a certain, I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's let a me... reason they've been successful. And I think it's more the stability piece of it. Right. Let me tell two quick stories. One of these, I think I've said somewhere before, but Alex when I was going to kill you, I'm so sorry. But Pat, I asked, um, you know, Pat was kept going off on tangents. As you know, Ethan, one thing he said was Mickey called him the year they won 15 games that 0708 season. He said Mickey called him the second half of the season. And Pat, he said, Pat, like you're the greatest coach of all time. Like, why don't you just resign? This team's terrible. And Pat knew at that point that Spo was going to be the coach of this team next year. He knew then, and he was like, "He's like, he's like, Spo's too good. I don't want to resign yet because he's going to win too many games down the stretch." Um, which I thought was hilarious. Like he knew then, and he told another. You know, I asked him because Pat is famous for being, you know, master motivator. Right? Is he writing Jimmy notes during the postseason? Do they have a moment? You know, I'm searching for that scene or Pat, and he's like, he's like, I have an open door, but. Spo handles that now. Like Pat's not meddling. It's um he lets Spo do his job. And I think that says a lot about the confidence they have in him and how that's been built over time. Like what you see on the floor, it's not like obviously there's a relationship there, but the Heat are re- more reflective of Spo's image every day yeah. um than they are Pat because they've empowered him. Well, and, and also the, the development, the shift to the developmental culture of the organization. Mm-hmm is in large part a spo shift not mm-hmm. that not that the heat didn't develop players before so everybody mm-hmm. can save their calls to me on that <laughs> i know they did but i but i i'm just saying and, and look pat unearthed plenty of undrafted gems when we didn't talk about it from new york i mean with starks and mason and mm-hmm. down here the anthony carters of the world bruce bowens etc like austin we can go on and on but it, it has become a linchpin of what they do now. And a lot of that is some of the changes that Spo wanted uh, and, and pushed through in recent years. And they, they are more reflective. It says something that their assistants now, their four primary assistants now are all former players from different eras. I mean, that, that tells you something about what they're, they're trying to create. And, and a lot of, again, a lot of this is, uh, it has been Spo driven. These are players who played for Spo uh, in some cases. Or Spo was on the bench, uh, you know, with a couple of Malik Allen, obviously, uh, you know, predated Spo, but Spo was an assistant at that time. So, uh, and Quran as well. So, so that's kind of uh, it, it is more of a Spo thing now. I, I always thought it was interesting, and people were surprised when Pat, when LeBron was about to leave, and you know, there was the whole guts press conference and all that, where I asked him what his relationship was with LeBron at that time. And he said, we have a texting relationship. And I think people were surprised by that. Why it wouldn't be closer than that. I feel like, although we may not say that he and Jimmy are going to dinner all the time. I feel like there's more of a symbiotic relationship with Jimmy 
than there was with Braun. That that Jimmy is more Pat's speed uh, in terms of the way that he approaches life and doesn't care about what people think about him. Whereas LeBron, as we know, can be a little on the passive aggressive side and a little bit conscious of conscious of everything that's going on to the point that he's, you know, going on Twitter, you know, he's doing his NFL picks on Instagram and all the rest of this stuff to the, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit different to your texting point. Pat did tell me that Jimmy tried to FaceTime him. He was, I was like, when's the last time you talked to Jimmy? He's like, he tried to FaceTime me the other day, but it was too early in the morning. And then I called him later and told him that the little drop shot he hit against Alcaraz was stupid or something like that. So I, they, they definitely get along. Pat likes the emojis. Yeah. <laughs> Pat, Pat likes the emojis. Yeah. And you know what Spo likes? And I'm not going to give away more secrets. Spo likes the LOL. <laughs> That's funny. That's so, incredible. That's incredible. There, there you go. All right. Final thing. I, I, I really hear Alex in my ear. Now we could go for about three hours with you and just, I should just throw this, this file was, this over was Alex. This was incredible. Let, this was, this is what let, I wanted. But let, let, let it, yeah. You can see how we prepare. We've always got a show sheet. Um, let me, let me just throw this at you as I drop my pen. Uh, did you get the sense from Pat that because I, I asked him this question in 2014, a 14-15 season, when are you leaving? And he's like, you know, we're, you know, I'm waiting for us to win a title, and then Chris, his wife, and I, we're not even, we're going to skip the champagne ceremony, and we'll be at the south of France. Now we're nine years later. He's still chasing the championship. They've been in the finals uh, a couple of times since. What do you think? How long do you think he sticks this out? You know, I was so close to asking him directly, but I, I'm going to be completely honest. I was nervous the entire conversation. And I was like, I feel like if I ask a non-Jimmy question, I'm going to get an angry phone call from someone I don't want to get an angry phone call from, even though Pat was very sweet. I did. I did. I asked him, I was like, how motivated are you to win for Jimmy? And he's like, incredibly motivated for Jimmy, but not just him, the entire organization, Mickey, Spo, every single coach. Um, the sense I got was the sense you probably got then. It's like he wants that last one badly. And and for, for everyone involved, I think he knows. I This is pure speculation. I think deep down he knows how important that next one's going to be kind of after the big three era especially. And I got the sense that he's motivated for the entire organization. All right, we'll see. Um, like the biggest lie ever told is Pat's going to retire to Malibu, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That doesn't seem like that's happening. Rohan, we appreciate it again. We can stay for another two hours, but uh, we, I'd have my angry producer in my ear right now. <laughs> Thanks to our sponsors, Better Edge, Water Cleanup, Greg, obviously, and uh, Off the Floor. Make sure that you subscribe to our Discord feed. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Reason Sports Network. After all, someone needs to listen to my dad. <laughs> Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.